Welcome to another episode of Healthy You Chats. This podcast is organized by members of the Healthy You Crew, a division of health and wellness at the University of Toronto. Your co-hosts today are Seti and Nu. Seti is a medical student and a Healthy You Crew member. Nu is undertaking a double major in neuroscience and health studies and also a Healthy You Crew member. Our special guest for today is Dr. Kim Koros. Dr. Kim Kuros is a physiatrist at Bridgepoint Active Healthcare, the Dovigi Sports Medicine Clinic, and at the Canadian Sport Institute. As a physiatrist, Dr. Kuros has expertise in the functioning of muscles, bones, and nerves. Dr. Kuros is also the leader of the exercise is medicine portion of the pre-clerkship medical curriculum at the University of Toronto. Welcome, Dr. Kuros. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I have to say, I love the idea of this podcast. It's uh, such a great initiative and it's great to see students who are already passionate about achieving and maintaining healthy lifestyles throughout their training. Thanks, and that's in part uh, to your contribution to the curricula at the Faculty of Medicine at U of T. Wouldn't have done it without you, Dr. Koros. Um, Dr. Koros. Can exercise really be considered medicine? Absolutely. Um, so uh, I know you're familiar, Seti, with uh, my passion around this topic, but certainly there's scientific evidence that exercise benefits more than 30 complex chronic diseases uh, that range from <clears throat> heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, stroke. Uh, there's evidence for the prevention of certain cancers like breast cancer, colon cancer, uh, certainly depression, which is much more relevant in uh, today's context. And uh, the list really goes on. Um, so I'll also add that it's likely an understudied intervention. Uh, typically it's low cost and that doesn't necessarily attract funding from pharmaceutical companies for research. So uh, I think the evidence speaks for itself and there's probably not as much evidence as there should be. So uh, just diving into that uh, a little bit further, we also know that exercise and physical activity have an overall mortality benefit, which in and of itself uh, should be enough for all of us to remain active, but not not looking at the overall mortality benefit, there's further benefits to individuals with diabetes in terms of improving glycemic control, uh, reduced pain and function uh, improvements in individuals with knee arthritis. And we mentioned uh, it's a first line treatment for individuals who have mild to moderate depression. And beyond that, I would say even amongst healthy individuals, there's some evidence that exercise has a positive effect on cognitive function, even in healthy individuals. So that maybe speaks more to the population of your listeners. Wow. So anyways, like... the answer is an unequivocal yes. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much. There seems like a lot of health benefits associated with exercise. So now that we know that exercise can indeed be considered medicine, can you talk us more about what constitutes as exercise? Uh, I'm going to preface this with the fact that I'm not an exercise physiologist or a researcher, uh, but in general, there are several terms I think we could discuss that are used somewhat interchangeably when we think about exercise. So first, there's physical activity, which is bodily movement that's uh, mediated by skeletal muscles resulting in energy expenditure, and that positively correlates to physical fitness, meaning the more physically active you are, the more likely you are to be physically fit. 
fitness itself to me is a bit more of a threshold of activity that allows individuals to participate enjoyably. Um, and there is a health-related component involving cardiorespiratory endurance, muscular strength and endurance, body composition and flexibility. Then we have exercise, which is going back to your original question. And the difference with exercise is that it involves planned, structured and repetitive bodily movements. And there's typically a goal of improving or maintaining fitness. So in that sense, uh, exercise in the planned and structured way is medicine. Uh, in the same way that you might be prescribed medications with a specific frequency and timing. However, I wanna be very clear that movement is also medicine. So we know there are benefits to physical activity and those benefits generally increase with higher activity levels, but any movement really is good movement and every little bit counts. Wow, um, thank you so much for clarifying that because um, it turns out that um, exercise is only a subset of movement. Um, and, and that's a very new concept to me and I'm sure it's new to many others. Um, so in your work, Dr. Koros, how do you, how do you um, support patients in becoming more active? Good question. Uh, and this is obviously a goal of my practice. On the sports medicine side of my job, it's a little bit more obvious. Typically, patients are, uh, or athletes are coming to see me with sports injuries, and we include uh, lifestyle management as part of our plan. So we discuss sleep, nutrition, and exercise. Uh, these individuals are also often supported by other members of the allied health team, including physiotherapists, athletic therapists, chiropractic, massage. Um, so in that sense, it's a little bit more uh, obvious. The other part of my job is inpatient neurologic rehabilitation. And in that setting, we've actually started a patient walking group called Walk and Roll um, for those of our patients who are uh, using a wheelchair at the time. Uh, and unfortunately, this program is on hold at the moment because of COVID precautions. Uh, but in this setting, myself as the physician, our recreation therapist, and really any other members of the team who are able to join us, uh, we recruit patients to move around the hospital. And so initially, the idea was to get patients more active and perhaps improve their physical fitness or their endurance. But I have to say the biggest benefit I think is in the social component of the exercise. Uh, seeing individuals connect with one another so that exercise really becomes an enjoyable outing. Uh, and that's been a really promising project for me. Uh, it's a program I'd love to see grow in the same way that the Walk with a Doc program has grown in the US. Um, again, just sort of marrying those concepts of exercise and medicine. That's so interesting of the vast majority of programs available that you put in and your teams to help patients become more active. But you know, like what about us as a students? I know with the onset of the COVID, most of our times like, you know, spend in front of a computer and what we call more sedentary lifestyles. So what are the ways you think um, we can as a student uh, remain active during this time particularly? Great question and very timely, as you mentioned. Uh, typically, if I have a patient I'm counseling on being more active, we would work through a five A's counseling framework. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that. So the first A is ask. Uh, you start by asking how active they are currently. 
So in the setting of students, this is really an important question to ask yourself as well, because the first step in making exercise a priority is to be honest with what you're doing and keep asking yourself this question to highlight its importance. The second A is uh, to assess for safety and also where patients are in their stage of change. So it sounds like you're referring to students who are young, otherwise healthy, and perhaps in a, in a maintenance phase, meaning they're already participating in physical activity. But some individuals might be just contemplating a change, preparing to take action, or actively making a change to their activity levels. On the maintenance side of things, I'll sometimes try and have individuals identify some potential barriers so that we can problem solve together. So for example, maybe um, SETI or NEW, you can give an example of a barrier you're finding that you face in incorporating physical activity in this context. Um, like particularly for me, um, I don't really like spending time outdoor if it's raining or it's cold weather. I know the weather is improving lately, but it's a barrier for me, the weather condition, yeah. Yeah, that's a, a big one that I hear, um, you know, even in uh, the winter with ice and things like that. So I think there's lots of ways to be creative in terms of incorporating physical activity. Uh, you know, being from downtown, I know many people and students are living within condos or apartment buildings and have access to stairwells, which is a really underutilized um, location for physical activity in my uh, experience. And so even just getting up, walking around the halls once an hour, uh, going, taking the stairs up and down from your uh, apartment if you're able to, I think those are great options, uh, particularly if the weather is not cooperating. So that's a great example of, um, you know, identify a barrier and then try and have someone else problem solve through that with you. Another common one I hear is time. Uh, and I think, you know, building in study breaks uh, to just move around, even just standing while you're watching lectures, uh, I think that's a great opportunity as well. So the third A or the third step is to advise individuals of the current guidelines for physical activity. So traditionally, this includes 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity a week with muscle strengthening of major muscle groups two times a week. But there's really been more of a push to 24-hour movement guidelines, which highlight the importance of light physical activity, which we've kind of referred to, adequate sleep, and limiting sedentary beha behaviors, including screen time. Much harder, obviously, with all the virtual that's happening with COVID, but limiting our recreational screen time, uh, prioritizing sleep, and uh, like I said, even just standing once an hour is more beneficial than uh, being sedentary. So the fourth A is agree, and here again, I'll highlight that any movement is good movement. So start by making a small change, uh, read a book instead of watching a show, or better yet, go for a short walk outside if you're able to, um, but make a plan and create a new habit. And then the final step is to assist. So as a physician, this can include, include referring patients to other providers or available resources. Uh, certainly there's a whole host of new online exercise resources that have emerged. Some of them are from U of T, um, but it doesn't have to be complicated. So from my perspective, I think this assist could include finding a workout or an accountability partner, checking in with family members. Um, and I think what all of you are doing here with this podcast, I think that's another way you can assist individuals. 
Um, so, so there you go. Hopefully I've convinced you uh, that, you know, not just exercise, but movement is medicine uh, and you don't necessarily need a medical degree to do that. Yeah. Um, th thank you so much for that, Dr. Koros. And I was very interested um, when I learned last week during an exercise as medicine panel um, that the new 24-hour movement guidelines are, um, are really focusing on three aspects of healthy living being uh, reduction of sedentary life, uh, and healthy sleeping, and also uh, vigorous as well as light physical activity. And um, they included standing there as a as a way of, um, and to include it as a form of light activity. And I was, uh, I was very impressed in how um, the guidelines are, are shifting towards a more manageable and doable aspect, just given our, our, our lifestyles currently. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, is really important. And it's also, you know, it tends to be a bit of a snowball effect. So once you start with a small habit, whether that's, again, just standing while you're watching lectures, as opposed to sitting sometimes, uh, parking at the back of the parking lot, taking the stairs, those things end up motivating you when you realize you can do those. And even those small things have an impact on your fitness. And so often that motivates you to take on the next fitness challenge. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't have to be that daunting, um, you know, one hour of running uh, necessarily that helps you to improve your fitness. Um, and yeah, I'm a big proponent of just start, start small, um, but start and an object in motion stays in motion. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the new 24 hour movement guidelines. Um, and hopefully we can continue to educate people about them and, uh, and help them to stay active. And I know we've been speaking a bit about students in the, in the past few minutes, um, but for our non-student listeners, what are some creative ways we can stay active throughout our lifespan? And is it really that important to remain active throughout our lives? Great question, very important. Um, you know, I, I see the extremes of age in my practice from younger individuals to older individuals. And what I will say is there's some emerging evidence um, for older individuals that exercise um, helps prevent cognitive decline and dementia. Um, anecdotally, certainly my patients who are more active tend to recover uh, more quickly from um, injuries, including neurologic injuries. Uh, so I think it's really important to stay active. Uh, we know, again, that there's cardiovascular benefits, overall mortality benefits. Uh, I also think exercise could potentially be a way to stay connected um, across the lifespan. So, uh, you know, I have a little son. We, um, you know, even through COVID have been trying to meet for socially distanced outdoor visits with, uh, with my mom just to be able to go for a walk. Um, and I think that's a way to, to stay connected through the generations. So yeah, again, any movement is good movement. It doesn't have to be everyone doing a HIIT workout online, um, although those options are available to you. Uh, but I'm a big proponent of what I would term social exercise, which is really just finding ways to move, finding ways to move with other people when it's safe. Um, and, uh, you know, I personally love exercise and I will do the, the structured exercise in the moderate to vigorous sense. Um, but I also try and, uh, 
you know, do the little things like standing up, walking around, parking at the back of the lot. Um, I am lucky enough to be able to walk to work. So all of those things I think can be uh, an important part of your life as you continue across the journey. Dr. Kuros, thank you so much for your time today. You know, I always want to incorporate more physical activity into my lifestyle, but I am daunting by the facts of doing vigorous exercise every single day. But now that I learned the benefits of exercise and how we as a student or non-students can make exercise more enjoyable, for example, through social exercise, I really want to get up and going to do more <laughs> exercise every single day. So we have learned so much from you and we certainly hope that the students will find this beneficial. Thanks again so much for having me. So if you would like to learn more about Dr. Coroz, you can follow her on Twitter at Kim Coroz. More details are available in the podcast description. Please enjoy this 30 second break before we reorganize into debrief session. So that was an excellent talk with Dr. Kuros. I've certainly learned so much going from the definition to what constitutes movement to how we can incorporate it in our life. How, uh, what you've learned most, new? Uh, I totally agree. I think, um, I don't know about, you know, other people, but I personally think that exercise have to be, you know, a lot of sweat, a lot of tired and a lot of time commitment. But now I learned that exercise, you know, any physical movement is beneficial. I am more confident about myself and I'm very motivated to incorporate more physical movement into my daily life. What about you, Seti? I think something that really struck me from this conversation is the um, idea that exercise is only one small portion of movement and what we should aim for is just increasing our movement in general throughout the day um, and, and that can be through exercise but that can also be through other means such as mm -hmm. you know social movement or um, you know walking taking the stairs or walk parking your car um, at the back of the lot to, to, to have a few extra steps those little things count too and um uh, you know, I, I have the classic idea that exercise was, you know, wearing your sweats and uh, your sneakers and going out for a one hour jog mm -hmm. kind of image. But that's been slowly um, dismantled throughout this podcast. Yeah, that's very, you know, that's very surprised me. And I'm very delighted by that also. I also learned that exercise can be considered as medicine, which is, you know, I always know that and sin, um, exercise is beneficial. But now that I'm in exercise can, you know, be a part of a treatment for disease like cardiovascular disease, diabetes. I was like, wow. Like, what do you think about that? I was I was very impressed to actually hear that. Um, um, I think anecdotally speaking, um, I remember one of my uh, physician, do uh, physician uh, professors uh, saying that uh, for many people who have recently been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, um, about a 20%, um, 10 or 20% loss um, of extra weight and exercising can, can really uh, bring them back to normal blood glucose levels and uh, mm. help them move back from, um, help them um, move away from the uh, di diabetes diagnosis. Wow. Um, 
And I, I was flabbergasted because <laughs> you grow, I, I, I grow, grew up thinking that diabetes is a chronic disease for which it is, but knowing that uh, for certain subtypes of diabetes, you know, um, exercise can make quite the difference and even go as far as to um, cure, uh, if, if I could use that word, mm -hmm. uh, that was very impressive. And uh, um, just knowing the long-term side of uh, the long-term benefits of exercise is also very, um, uh, very, um, you know, uh, it allows me, it allows for some reflection about how I'd like to spend my day and um, allows me to think more long-term about my health, um, especially as a student where we're always so busy studying and trying to get the good grades. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes we can neglect our health today and say, one day I'll be able to exercise and be a healthy person. <laughs> but chances are um, we need to be healthy today to be able to uh, continue being able and fit to do the exercise later in our lives. Yeah, like uh, as Dr. Pearl says, something in motion will continue to be in motion. So yeah. that's very motivating. And I also, you know, exercise is the cheapest medication available to a lot of, you know, disease. And it's also very enjoyable as well. I like the social aspect of exercise. You know, you can do with friends and family when the condition of COVID-19 permitted. I think it's very amazing. Yeah, yeah. A very good session today we had with Dr. Karos. To our listeners, thank you for listening to Healthy You Chats hosted by Healthy You crew members Sadi Balhawari and New Kang, a division of health and wellness at the University of Toronto. We invite you to listen to more episodes covering a variety of topics such as sleep hygiene, resilience, body image, and healthy eating. For now, goodbye and keep in motion. <laughs>